Welcome to this episode of Law Girl. I'm Jasmine Dea coming to you from my personal injury law firm, JD & Co., located in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Joining me is Stephen Powells. Stephen is the co-founder of Bridgepoint Financial. He holds a Master of Business Administration from the University of Toronto Rotman School of Management. Stephen has played a leading role in the Canadian litigation finance market since 2002, developing specialized products that have assisted plaintiffs, law firms, and support service providers. There's a lot more that Stephen has done. That is, is his condensed bio. Stephen, let's get started. My intention of inviting you over was to discuss Bridgepoint in an attempt to demystify it and explain some of the services that your company provides with respect to client funding and law firm funding. But before I delve into that topic, tell us about yourself. How did you get into such a specialized area? Thank you, Jasmine, and uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. How did I get into the area of litigation finance? That uh, is uh, a subject that could take our entire time slot, uh, quite possibly. But in, in, in short, I was working in investment banking uh, for about a, a decade uh, here in, in Toronto and in the UK was not very happy with um, aspects of, of the banking world. I have a little more of an entrepreneurial bent that was certainly not uh, being addressed um, as, as a cog in that particular wheel, but um, uh, it was a great background. Uh, I'm certainly quite well versed in the areas of, of finance and uh, funding businesses of, of different types and, and funding challenges that, that those businesses and individuals can face. But it was my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, actually, who, who deserves the credit for the inception of, of the business concept. She's a case manager. Um, she worked uh, independently as a consultant for quite a number of personal injury firms in and around the Toronto area. And, and she saw firsthand through her dealings with these accident victims the funding challenges that they faced on, on a daily basis. I mean, obviously, the, the lawyers contend with um, the the back and forth with the defendants and the insurers and the mediations and what have you. But these clients grapple with serious uh, upheaval in their lives. And, and she as a case manager would be the ones, one that they would often call at all hours to explain the, the, the stress of eviction notices and financing challenges they were facing. And, and it was very frustrating for her to see how much of the time of the sessions, for example, with social workers and, and occupational therapists and other, other counselors and psychologists to help these people try and put their lives back together was occupied dealing with these financial issues. Um, you'd see it on a regular basis with your clients. And, and so she would ask me repeatedly why my bank or a bank couldn't help these these clients of hers these these people going through the personal injury litigation process who who had very serious cases and were were due to receive very significant settlements from these cases why someone couldn't provide interim financial support and uh, she never liked my explanation that you know, banks just don't get that. Um, it's true. They banks really don't. don't get what we do. They really don't. And I can say that firsthand because I'm always battling with my bank about the same situation. Well, j just like they, they don't understand your business and contingency fee-based legal practices as a business, they certainly can't expose themselves to what they consider to be 
you know, and essentially what is litigation risk. Uh, and and these these clients uh, aren't able to make the monthly servicing that banks, you know, require. There's no uh, ability to predict accurately when the when the case is going to resolve and, and uh, timing. So, you know, this entire universe of of of, of people um, who most need support, financial support, amongst other types of support, really fell through the cracks under the current banking. Um, uh, world, and I saw an opportunity to address that market, and I eventually uh, did that. And about 15 years ago, started providing a dedicated service to help plaintiffs, and uh, and that evolved into working with the law firms too. How did you come up with the name Bridgepoint? Um, well, good, great question. What we provide is bridge funding. Um, we're we're here to help these people get to their ultimate um, resolution, the settlements with, with, with their, uh, you know, the resolution of their litigation. So we're a, a bridge funding arm. And, uh, and so we just looked at, at some name that reflected that. I think we looked at Northbridge at one point and that was taken. So yeah, we settled on Bridgepoint. You are based out of Toronto, but you do serve other areas. We do. We're essentially across Canada. Uh, we don't operate in Quebec because of the lack of a, a, a tort system there. Um, and we're a little more limited in, in some of the provinces of um, Manitoba and Saskatchewan because of some of the nuances of their motor vehicle accident uh, insurance regimes. But otherwise, we are coast to coast, um, assisting uh, law firms and, and plaintiffs in those markets and have uh, team members based both on, on Eastern Canada and uh, in the West Coast as well. It is my understanding from what you've already told us as well as what I know about your business that your company attempts to provide financial assistance to various people in the personal injury world. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So that's good. I got one thing down. <laughs> we, we offer services beyond personal injury litigation. So the specialty is litigation, um, class action, commercial employment. You know, there are other markets, but personal injury is the original and, and largest component of our business. Yes. So how are you doing this? I understand there's, there's various different categories, can we call them? Sure. Um, and, and so can you tell us what they are? And then we can talk briefly about each of them. Absolutely. So I, I think the key distinction, um, because there are different layers within our, our service offering, but we provide um, funding in the form of loans, credit facilities, um, what have you, just like a bank would, uh, to a very specialized sector of the market. And, and as mentioned, that is litigation. So. The, the clients of ours are, are generally fall into two categories. They are the, the actual plaintiffs pursuing these, these legal cases who need the bridge funding uh, for, for various needs. Um, and, uh, and so that is our plaintiff uh, financing space. And then there is funding that is geared towards the actual lawyers who represent these individuals. Um, so we, we fund, for example, uh, obviously the personal injury firms need, need access to funds to build their cases, to, to spend on the various experts and other disbursements to, to move these cases forward. And, uh, and as we discussed, you know, the firms themselves fall through the cracks of our existing banking 
lending methodologies and, and traditional lending philosophies. So, so we've stepped in to address the needs of both of those markets. So when we're talking about plaintiffs, just for our listeners out there, we're talking about people who have in, in the personal injury world, we'll keep it to personal injury because sure. that's what I do. Um, but we're talking about an individual who has sustained an injury due to the negligence of someone else or something else. And we are suing. And that individual that has commenced the lawsuit is the plaintiff. And so when the plaintiff comes to me and at times an injured party has no ability to work due to injury, for example, and they don't have any source of funds, would they be able to come to you? Absolutely, they would. If they're represented by a lawyer um, who has initiated that claim for the, the injuries that they've sustained, then we are able to look at their case and, and determine what assistance we can offer them um, to offer that uh, interim support. I note that you call them pre-settlement financing. When I say them, you know, the yeah, category. The, the services, sure. But is that what we commonly refer to as litigation loans? Yeah. I know you don't like it. No, no but... it's, not that I, it's not that I don't like it. it you know what? There is there is a, a broad array of, of um, terminology in, in the sector. I mean, settlement loans litigation loans, lawsuit loans, personal injury loans, uh, legal advances, there's there's a full spectrum there. So I, I think as opposed to avoiding the term litigation loans, which you're quite right, has has some negative a, connotations a maybe? with respect to the legal community, as, as in many cases it deserves, and I'm happy to talk about that. Um, we, we kind of refer to the catch-all as pre-settlement financing more in our discussions with the law firms but but make no mistake on our website and and online we refer to settlement loans and and litigation loans and as much as a lot of people feel uncomfortable and we'll talk about why in a sec but at times it's necessary when my clients have nowhere else to go and they need to eat they need to pay bills they need to support their children sometimes these loans become very necessary. You're absolutely right. And, uh, and going back to the inception of the business, um, my wife as a case manager was not out there looking for uh, funding for her clients so that they could take a, 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 you know, a, a cruise or, or you know, buy a snowmobile or a brand new vehicle. Um, it, it was literally intended to keep a, a roof over their heads and, and you know, lights on. So, so the, these loans are not intended for um, discretionary needs. It's, it's to help your clients and those clients in need. And that's, by the way, not, not, certainly not every candidate, every, every client of yours is in need of these loans. It's a, it's a small subset, but it's an important subset. And these are individuals who are very vulnerable to lowball settlement offers and, and, and other tactics that force them into capitulating to to you know the opportunistic offers that defendants can make because let's face it the people opposing them you know the, the defendants that you're pursuing to uh, you know get these these settlements out of they have all the time and money in the world they, they're they're not facing any sort of financing restriction they can drag these cases on your clients are the ones that are on income replacement benefits if they're lucky 
um, which inevitably get cut off or, or inevitably are less than what they were earning before their accident. And more than half of the population has less than a month's worth of savings if they're cut off from their regular source of income. So, And as we know, litigation takes years. Years. And, and it's not... It's not getting shorter. Um, you know, the sad reality is that, that there are backlogs in the court systems. It takes years for these cases to wind their way through the system. And how many of your clients can, can legitimately withstand that through whatever benefits they might be getting? Um, it's, it's, a, it's an access to justice issue. And, you know, we, we have a system that, that does work with the presumption that both sides have you know, reasonably equal resources to to sustain themselves financially, but there's a huge subset of the population that really can't even afford um, the two weeks or whatever period of time it takes for income replacement income replacement benefits to kick in. And if those are less than what they were earning, how are they going to make their mortgage payments? How quickly are they going to exhaust their savings? So those are the scenarios that um, require our assistance and we go out of our way to obviously look at what the client's needs are and 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 set up a structure that um, best serves that need but we're very very sensitive to the very legitimate concerns that lawyers do have because just like any form of borrowing it can be very effective and and indispensable when it's used appropriately and responsibly but it can be very harmful if it's used irresponsibly. And that's exactly what you and I have sort of touched upon. The whole uncomfortable situation with this term, litigation loan, uh, comes with the issue that arises because of the interest rate and you know how people are going to use the funds and how it's going to increase um, difficulty in resolution at some point in the future. And I think that's what makes lawyers a little uncomfortable. There's also um, some comments made by judges and decisions about the rates that are charged. And do you want to sure. weigh in on that? Uh, absolutely. And and those are all very legitimate uh, concerns, criticisms. And, and the industry, and I can say the litigation finance space is an actual industry now. I mean, 10 years ago, even five years ago, litigation finance as, as a market didn't even exist. People didn't know what that was. It's, it's quite astounding to me that there are now dozens of companies that claim to specialize in this, in this space. Um, but if I were a lawyer, which I, I'm, I'm not, all, all, knowing what I know, I would not be happy to see a client have to borrow against their future settlement. I would be well aware of the um, timing risks, and I, I myself, I'm a debt-averse guy. I don't like borrowing. I don't think people should borrow if they can avoid it. If there are less expensive um, means out there for someone to to get by, then absolutely they should take advantage of that before ever considering borrowing. Um, so I think there is a whole process uh, and, and, and responsible approach that needs to be taken both by the lawyer, but I also think it's the responsibility of the lender to ensure that the amounts being offered are, are appropriate for what the individual's needs are, proportionate to the underlying claim, both, both the prospective value of the claim and the timing of the claim. You know, someone who needs just to 
peace of mind to know they can pay the rent for the next year until their trial date might be set down shouldn't be offered $10,000 in one fell swoop. They maybe need $500 a month, you know, transferred to their account the day before their rent is due. Um, that, that emulates the income replacement benefits that might have been cut off. Um, it, it, th there's an approach that has to be taken to ensure that, that this funding, these loans don't end up, you know, taking a big chunk of the ultimate settlement. That's the big concern. And we've, we've seen it happen. We definitely take steps to try and address that. On the rate front, the interest rates, our rates are credit card rates. You know, we're 19 to 21% per year with semi-annual compounding. Your clients, many of them won't know, as many lawyers don't know, what compounding even means. But there are there are aspects of these loans out there that they should educate themselves on. Um, guess what? You're not going to find rates that are going to be much below that. We've seen players come into the space and, and, and aggressively promote even 15% interest. They don't last. Um, there's a reason the banks really don't weigh into this space and, and, and never will. There are risks in this market. You know, these the, everything is predicated on the successful outcome of these cases and not every case is successful. Um, you know, things can happen that, that derail these, these cases. There, there's no recourse. These, these people, if they had... So if they default, basically, you're out. Well, there, there's nothing. I mean, we don't even ask about income verification or assets that they might have. The last thing we would want to do, obviously, is, 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 is act on someone's security if their case is unsuccessful. We're focused entirely on the merits of their case and, and presuming that the only way the loan is going to be paid is, is um, out as a result of the successful outcome of that case. So if these people had other resources that they could, they could leverage or, or use, they would. Um, the reality is they come to the litigation funding market really as a last resort, as, as they should. From the plaintiff's context, we've talked about pre-settlement financing. I understand that your company also offers treatment loans. Correct, we do. So, so really, treatment loans, um, treatment financing. You know, these these are are really just like the plaintiff loans. They are they are loans offered to the clients, to the accident victims. Um, the law firm is not a borrower. The plaintiff is, but the distinction is that the the funds instead of going to keeping you know the the the. Uh, uh, the, the roof over the client's head, the, the funds are earmarked to pay for the various med, rehab, attendant care, other, other treatment needs that for whatever reason are unavailable to be covered through um, benefits from the insurer. I think that in recent years, given the changes to the accident benefits, yes immense changes that have reduced the amounts that people can get for treatment, um, as well as the minor injury guideline, which most people are sort of lumped into, which caps individuals at $3,500, despite the policy having a lot more. Astounding. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but right now it is what it is. I think that that product, the treatment loans, could be very helpful to individuals. But where would the, the repayment come from then? Would it come from the tort action, so the lawsuit against in a car accident claim the at-fault driver? Typically, yes. So, or, or obviously if, if the um, accident benefit first party insurer 
has simply determined that that treatment plan that you're seeking to get them to pay for is, in their determination, unreasonable or, or too expensive. There, there's a whole gauntlet of reasons they can deny uh, or decline to approve a treatment plan, whereas you know from much experience you have clients with very legitimate needs. We, we, we see it all the time. You know, we've been asked to fund home modifications, prosthetic limbs even, and, and there's every excuse in the world why uh, an insurer can fight um, paying for those benefits. It's too expensive. We don't think it needs that. Your client in the wheelchair doesn't need a full access ramp. There's a little thing we can get at Home Depot that costs a fraction. And, and really, it's to their advantage to even stall approving these expenses where your client obviously has a duty to to mitigate, to to get back on their feet, literally, in, in some cases. So, so there's a gap there, uh, even where there are open accident benefits cases. But for the most part, you're right, they've exhausted their, their first party benefits, uh, or those aren't available, and there's just a tort case. We can step in in that situation, um, understand what the need is, look to the case. Um, our rule of thumb is for any loan to the plaintiff, whether it's for treatment or for personally, we don't like to lend over 10 or 15% of what we think that case is worth, even a little less if it's earlier on where it might go a bit longer. I've brought up motor vehicle accidents, which would have the application of accident benefits, which would sure. enable people to get treatment. And so either the treatment won't be covered because it's found not reasonable and necessary, or these individuals fall under the minor injury guideline and exhaust what they're able to get, or they use up all of the med rehab available yeah. with these much lower limits that have come into play um, in recent years. But what about in non-motor vehicle claims? So a person who injures themselves um, by a slip and fall incident or sure. by any other type of incident, a bouncer assault case of mine, for example, could they come for treatment loans in uh, those scenarios? A hundred percent. We we have funded, um, you know, there, there are sexual abuse victims who require counseling services and uh, slip and fall cases are very, very common. So um, absolutely, there's, you know, as long as we can, we have a whole team of, of um, lawyers and, and uh and legal professionals who look at these underlying cases, and again, it's it's their assessment of of the need of the individual, and and essentially the um, the the value of that case, which is effectively the security for this funding that we look at. But the benefit of our treatment funding um, is is the ability for you, as as the skilled lawyer, to appreciate that. This isn't something that should be coming out of your client's pocket, even the interest on this funding. Your client has every right and, and even a, a responsibility legally to try and get back to their pre-accident That's right. State. The law says they must mitigate their damages. What does that mean? That means they need to do everything they can to get better and get back to work or whatever the case exactly. may be. And how can they do that when they don't have the funds to do it? Right. And, and the catch-22, I'm sure, in your settlement discussions with defense counsel is, well, what do you mean you're, you're discounting my client's need for ongoing payment for these, these, these uh, treatment expenses um, just because they haven't had those services for the last year or two? Well, they haven't had them because you've refused to pay for them or wouldn't offer an advance on the case for my client to be able to access them. So how was my client supposed to be able to 
mitigate their damages, well, that's where we step in. So we give the lawyers a tool, even at the outset, to, we call it a term sheet. It basically is like a, a letter that sets out the terms of our funding, which we offer to every lawyer in these cases. And even the personal loans, by the way, where income replacement benefits are cut off or, or less than what the client was earning pre-accident, that gives you the ability to say, listen, um, to the to the defendant, my client would like an advance on the tort case, or we'd like you to reconsider your denial of this this treatment plan. Um, and and guess what? Your failure to provide that funding gives my client no alternative than to have to borrow from a third party. And and here are the terms that they've already been offered by Bridgepoint Financial. And this is notice to you that if you fail to provide this funding and you force my client to have to go to this lender, then any interest costs accrued will become part of the claim. And we've had many cases, by the way, um, where they have capitulated and accepted that. Unfortunately, we just don't have the decisions where they're definitively um, obligated to pay that. So they still fight it, but they do concede in many cases that that is an exposure on the Well, I have an issue with defense lawyers or their insurers, I should say, because it's not up to the lawyers. I can't fault them. But I ask for an advance payment in tort claims where my client has significant claims. There's no issue with respect to liability. Mm -hmm. And in one particular request right now, my client had to um, she had to pay a lawyer because her husband was in a coma and she had to get um, a guardianship application um, done and a mm-hmm. judgment obtained so that she could speak on his behalf. And the accident benefit carrier was found not to be responsible for that payment. It was found under the new rules to not fall under the category of med rehab. And so I asked for an advance payment. Mm -hmm. There's $10,000 in legal fees owed. There is no issue that the claim is worth more than that. And I just can't get them to pay. And my client in the same accident has sustained an amputation to her leg and is unable to return to work. Mm-hmm. Her her husband was in a coma for a year before he eventually passed away. She has no way to pay. Sure. And so what do we do now? I mean, I'm waiting for a response, but I'm pretty sure they're saying no. Well, they've already said no, but I've asked them to reconsider. So, you know, well, what do we do? Well, we'd love to offer you a little extra leverage. And I can report that um, many lawyers have been pleasantly surprised because historically they know that the response to those requests for an advance payment is usually a resounding no. Uh, Mine has always been a no. Yes, well, of to course, date. because <laughs> let's face it, why, why would they? At the end of the day, they, they, they are sure that they'll be able to um, get away. From, you know, there, There's not gonna be a penalty for them. Why are they gonna go out of their way to, to assist um, your clients in many cases is the sad perspective that, that is taken here. But they will listen when there is the possible exposure of, for example, you know, a meter running on funding that the client definitively incurred solely as a result of, of the damages that they sustained. And, and they have responded to that. And what we're ideally hoping for is a precedent case where, where a judge will recognize that the insurer's failure to provide that and, and the, the cost that the client incurred in borrowing from a third party is is a legitimate part of the claim where there have been those scenarios 
they're smart enough to recognize the damaging possibility of such a precedent and they will they will pay the um, pay the amounts that has been our experience today but we keep trying and there have been some great cases to the tune of you know even the prosthetic limbs that i mentioned and 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 other very serious expenditures um, uh, you know re requiring individuals to be carried up and down stairs uh, by a family member in a wheelchair because they fought over the housing needs uh, assessment costs that were incurred because even if they ultimately pay that but they buy a year or two to argue that well the amount maybe is too expensive they still win that's still money that they're earning a return on you know in in their reserves that they haven't had to pay out so that's still a high five in that case to to have avoided that so that's that's their modus operandi and and that's unfortunate because my clients are suffering and they you it's, know it's tragic in yeah. many cases i agree with you so we've talked about the plaintiff side of things so the individuals suing my, basically my clients and the financing that's available to them mm -hmm. but let's talk about the services that your company provides to lawyers. Sure. So one of the areas is disbursement financing. Correct. And in terms of disbursements, these days my disbursements are getting racked up on files because I find that insurers are driving my files longer. Unless I want you're, to settle you're not out. The only one. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. It's not yes. just me. Uh, however, uh, they're driving them longer and harder, and that means more costs because when you have litigation, the the amounts we have to spend to run the litigation keeps going. When we are preparing for a pretrial, I have to serve my expert reports 90 days before pretrial. These reports range, uh, you know, they could be cheaper than what I'm saying, but the average I find is between 2000 to 6000 for an expert report. They could be more, um, depending on what you're be. getting. Yeah, and depending and on the size are. of the case. Yeah, yes. they're often higher. But, yes. you know, and, and you don't just get one report. I have to get something from the accountant. I have to get something from the orthopedic surgeon. I have to get something from the psychologist. You know, I'm giving examples, but basically you're not just getting one report. You're getting a few, and the dollars add up. So I, I know that one of the reasons they do this is sometimes to wear the plaintiff down, sometimes yeah. to wear the lawyer down. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, they haven't worn me down yet. No. So um, the issue, however, is while they haven't worn me down, I have to fund this. Yeah. And things have been good, thankfully, touch wood. However, what happens when personal injury lawyers don't have the funds and it's not mm -hmm. because they won't come but they have sure. to have the immediate funds for funding the litigation the disbursements what yeah. can they do well it's the business of law and and as you know i i think you would agree that that law schools would be well served to prepare a lot of lawyers uh, those that don't go into the, the you know the, the the big office building sort of corporate uh, Firm lifestyle, but the the sole practitioners or the or the boutiques, um, law is an expensive business, and and especially litigation. Oh, contingency fee based legal practices are are an entirely unique, um, very capital intensive business. If I put my former corporate finance hat on. One of the things I recognized early on, obviously the business inception was to assist these accident victims and, and the plaintiffs and, and to meet the needs that, that were very serious for them. But I very quickly learned that 
the law firms who represent these plaintiffs, who take these cases on and who have to wait years and years for payment for their time and, and services, uh, and then only if the case is successful, but over and above that have to reach into their own pocket to invest in all of these disbursements and the thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, we certainly know of, of third party experts to build these cases. Uh, it, is a, it is a very onerous, expensive process and, and it's an issue of cash flow. So you're right, there can be some significant wins and, and some great uh, results and, and uh, compensation when these cases um, get across the finish line after a lot of work is put in. But and there's a lot of a years. Lag, a lot of years. A lot of years. <laughs> and guess what? I, putting my banker hat on, the banks don't get that and they never will. You will, uh, litigation boutiques and, and, the, and, and litigation law firms will never be able to access traditional funding, i.e. bank funding, that virtually every well, other business is entitled to. the banks are completely uninterested. No, they, completely. They, they, they don't get, they just, they, 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 they won't touch your clients with a 10-foot pole and, and they won't touch you with, uh, uh, you know, much, much uh, less. So, so it's a challenge. And, and, you know, I was approached by these firms whose clients Bridgepoint was helping early on to say, listen, we, we greatly appreciate what you're doing for our clients. And that's, that's tremendously helpful for us to be able to get, you know, the, the uh, better uh, results for these clients. But we've got our own frustrations. Why can't our bank understand, you know, what what our needs are? And you know, they're asking us about our inventory or our accounts receivable. Well, we don't have accounts receivable. You've got investments in these disbursements. Yes, they want to know. They always want to know about the WIP. Yes. And I'm like, how am I supposed to tell you exactly what the WIP is, and how am I supposed to tell you what the accounts receivable are? Because it's all on contingency. That's right. Yes. So. Really, at, at the end of the day, it requires a specialized understanding of what the the practice of, of litigation law is, and and we have that. Um, banks don't, and and most don't, and so we've geared our services to provide the assistance for these uh, firms to fund these disbursements um, in a much better capacity than than the banks would ever be able to do. So. So that's actually the larger part of our business, um, believe it or not. It's it's the firms who take on these cases who, um, you know, they, especially now here in Ontario in particular, uh, you know, you, you've, I'm sure, experienced it. Everyone has, whether you're one of the, 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 the massive firms or an independent practitioner, it's a perfect storm. Cases are taking longer. Court delays in this whole jury requirement, which hopefully is going to go out the window, is 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 dragging cases on. Defendants can can take their time. You have to invest more and more in the experts to get a reasonable settlement out of these uh, insurance companies, and the results as a result of regulatory changes and 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 other reasons are lower settlement values than than there have been in the past. So. All of those come together to make it an extremely difficult time for the firms who have to build these cases, and we have um, a service and, and a solution that uh, tries to address that need. I think the description, the perfect storm, is so accurate for what has developed because as an owner of this law firm, I can tell you that everything you've said is accurate. 
uh, in your description of the perfect storm. But what people fail to recognize is not only am I funding Mm -hmm. the litigation, which I'm happy to do, but I have stress and I am admitting that. I don't think a lot of personal injury lawyers admit it, but I'm admitting it. I have stress because I have to fund this and I want to fund it and I want to keep going and I will keep going to serve my clients. And that is my ethical obligation to them and I'm happy to abide by it. But I also owe an obligation to my staff to ensure that they are paid on time and I too have my own bills to pay and my own kids to take care of and the lights have to stay on and et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a failure to recognize that it's not just the funding. We need the help on the disbursement sometimes because we have other things that have to be paid for. It's the cost of business. It's the oh, overhead. The, that's not even getting into the overhead and, and advertising costs. I mean, I don't think anyone listening to this would, would dispute that it's a different market out there. I mean, to get your clients in the door, obviously you do a brilliant job on uh, uh, in social media and and, oh, thank you. and you have been a tremendous resource for the community at large and commenting on, on various issues out there and and that relates very well and I think that's a very important service. But but the advertising costs that, that firms incur, um, this, this is, this is a, a, a very, very challenging time, uh, in particular in the personal injury, um, uh, plaintiff personal injury market. Absolutely. One other service I want to touch upon yes. that you offer for lawyers, expert access. Talk yes. to me about that. What is that? Um, expert access is, is a variation uh, of our disbursement funding program. It, it really is, is something that just... Um, leverages what has been a very common arrangement that law firms have used to, to uh, you know, finance themselves historically, which is striking deals with experts out there in the community, the, the doctors, the engineers, the accountants, and others whom you need to obviously uh, you know, build these cases, wherein they will agree to wait to pay these experts until the case settles and and you actually have the funds in hand from the underlying file um you know that that has been something that has been negotiable in some cases obviously these experts appreciate the opportunity to to do this work and for them i guess a bit of a cost of business of doing so has been to agree to wait to get paid um which is helpful because it goes back to the disbursement Financing sure. Listen, issue. In, in, in my, you know, the idea of, of we call it supplier financing in, in corporate finance, that's usually stretching out the accounts payable, you know, amounts you owe to your service providers. It's, it's just usually 60, 90 days. And, and those are funds that you obviously uh, get, get access to. Not the to two years, hand. three years that no, we're waiting. Personal <laughs> injury lawyers have taken that concept of supplier financing to an entirely new level, I, I learned <laughs> in that. Um, they will often negotiate to defer payment until settlement of the underlying files. And, and Which is experts, why I was saying two, yeah. three years. <laughs> well, it, and, and there aren't many businesses, and, and let's face it, these experts are doing this as a, as a business service as well, who, will, who can afford themselves to wait that period of time. And, and I think it was done on a bit of an unspoken basis historically because these same experts do work for the insurance companies, as you know, and they get paid you know, out of the the unlimited funds that that those uh, defendants obviously have to to utilize them, 
and and they would get paid for you know the the um, uh, you know they had a fairly steady cash flow um, from their their other service so they could afford to hold on these accounts but I think the reality is it's it's such a challenge going back to that perfect storm that that the demand for that from the plaintiff um, lawyer community has has been unsustainable uh, and can't be met so so these experts they don't want to be funding the firms. I mean, they'd rather be paid up front. So what we have done is we have partnered with many, in fact, over 500 at this point in time, to enable them to get paid for their services right out of the gate. We step in the lawyer's shoes. We pay the expert. We, in turn, um, are willing to wait for payment until settlement of that file. And and uh, as a result, we offer the firm um, the ability to defer payment, and we offer them two years with no interest accruing on that invoice that we have acquired uh, in doing so. And at that point in time, hopefully the case has resolved because you look at the timing of these investments and, and hopefully a couple of years is enough time, but we appreciate it's not always, but interest does accrue on the account um, starting in month 25 on those accounts. And so that better matches the cash flows of these firms. It, it's it's helpful for the experts because they just get the the, the burden hand, if you will, the payment from us, and, and they can afford to take a bit of a discounted payment because they're not chasing down these uncertain accounts receivable. We take the timing risk. We take the you know, payment uncertainty that they, they have out of the equation. So they're prepared to accept a bit of a, a margin reduction. Um, also, we have so many firms who utilize this service that, that many of these experts have, have been able to benefit from matchmaking that uh, that we can offer and and lawyers as well it's uh we have many many firms who now um, benefit from uh, introductions that we can facilitate to our whole network of experts ime companies individual doctors uh, engineers what have you that uh, they have found uh, tremendously helpful Stephen, mm -hmm. thank you so much for My enlightening pleasure. us about Bridgepoint and all the services that you provide to help plaintiffs and lawyers. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. All mine. Thank you very much.